0: The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walk this road before you, so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Hello, friends. Today's guest is the owner, one of three actually, Of a family business, Carla Ejaz purchased the business from her father, along with her sister and a longtime family friend in 2017. Since then, they've continued to build the business, which is called Lasting Impressions, into a very large company. They recently moved into a new 50,000 square foot facility where they are manufacturing and supplying promotional products. They also do something really unique in this industry, which is they create e-commerce websites for companies that want to have merch stores, but don't want to hold the inventory. So check out today's episode of The Business of You, especially if you want to hear about what it's like behind the scenes of a family started and run organization. Uh, The company was bought by Carla from their father who started it in 1976. And again, you'll get some interesting insights from the behind the scenes, including what it's like working with your siblings. So tune in today to The Business of You. Carla, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you on today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Well, you are the first person we have on our show who is has uh, grown up in a family business and and purchased it from your father, who who began the business. So before we talk about your business, I'd love to hear about your journey in terms of how did you start? What did you study in school? What made you go into the family business? And, uh, and how you got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, it's a a family owned um, and operated business. My father started it in 1976 in the basement of my grandma's house, just heat heat pressing um, jersey numbers and and T-shirts and things like that. Um, From there, he got a small shop in in an ice rink in Melvindale, Michigan. So then he was sharpening skates and still doing like the jerseys and the hoodies and things like that. So primarily more sports related. Mm -hmm. Um, His claim to fame or what really kind of put him on the map was he took the iconic Farrah Fawcett photo um, of her in the swimsuit with her head back. And he printed those on the front of of T-shirts. So he made a good chunk of change from that. And then from there, he was able to really get his business going, um, you know, getting further outside of that sports industry and then farther along into the corporate side and, um, you know, working with larger corporations and um, local businesses and and all of that. So mm-hmm. um, his journey is a really interesting one for sure. Um, I'm one of four kids and we just, we grew up around this industry. We grew up working around the shop, you know, from the time that we could walk really, we've, we've done, all of us have done every job mm-hmm. in in that business. So anything from, you know, filing paperwork or filing mm-hmm. catalogs, just organizing samples, um, working on anything up front as far as customer service goes, and then into the back on the production side as well. So, we've all had our hand in production. Um, I personally ran the embroidery machines, my siblings, um, they ran some screen printing machines. We, we've, like I said, we've all done everything. So, um, I couldn't really give you a start date of when <laughs> I've actually began working here because I think I always have. But um, right out of college is when I began working here full time, which was in
0: 2009 okay and have you ever worked anywhere else
1: i have um, so i did work at barnes and noble at the starbucks as a barista um i i worked there for about a year so what what had actually happened was my sister and i we had to go to work after school every day and there was just one day we didn't really want to go we we drove to work but we said we don't want to go in so we're going to take a little nap and then we'll go in afterwards well we ended up falling asleep. We wake up and it was late. So we said, Oh, we'll just go home. While my dad came home and said, well, you're fired. You have to go find a job. You know, you, you didn't show up to this one. So you're fired and you know, go get a job. So that's what we both did. That's hysterical. How old were you when that happened? You know, I couldn't drive. So I must've been maybe 14. My sister was driving. So probably 16.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's tough working with your family, isn't it? In some ways, (laughs) yes. There's no free ride for anybody. No, but there shouldn't be, though, right? I mean, your dad worked hard to build that business. He was uh, making, you know, skates sharp, right? Like that's not easy work. So yes, that's good that he made you feel you could, you know, you had to earn it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I grew up in a family business to different industry. But I honestly feel like it was my best training ground to to run my own business. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so you um, start working there officially, right in 2009. Mm-hmm. What happens in 2009? And, and when did your dad decide to retire and and you purchase the business from him?
1: Yeah, so I started working there in 2009, right out of college. Um, Worked there as a sales representative and outside sales. I really loved that position. And, you know, he always knew that obviously he would be retiring at some point and um, uh, had communicated with all of us that we would have the first option to buy the company. Mm -hmm. Um, If none of us wanted it, then he would seek options elsewhere. So we we all wanted to have um, our hand in the business in some way in 2017 is when he officially decided that he wanted to step back in that role so myself one of my sisters along with our third business partner who is a lifelong family friend we purchased the company in 2017.
0: Oh that's great and what about your other siblings did they not want to go into the family business or were they never interested in it?
1: They they were interested and they are still in the family business. Okay. So my, my father actually owned two separate companies. One was okay. a supplier within the industry. And then another was a distributorship. Um, the distributorship is what uh, I purchased along with my partners. And my brother and sister, they purchased the supplier side of the business.
0: So what what does that look like? Can you tell us specifically, like, what's the supplier business and what's the distributorship side of the business look like? And then do you guys partner to do work together?
1: Yeah. And so um, being a distributor in the ASI promotional products industry means that I can sell to any end user. Um, There are vendors within our industry that supply the goods to distributors like ourselves. So, meaning an end user such as a large corporation, they wouldn't be able to go directly to that vendor. They would have to go through a okay. distributor source. Um, so, we do work, you know, hand in hand in, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, that side of the business did all of the contract decorating, so that was a separate entity, separate business altogether. And it did—they um, did contract screen printing, embroidery, direct-to-garment, and drinkware, custom tagging, um, bags, and things like that. So that was a really fun portion of the business as well, Mm -hmm. where the actual production takes place.
0: Mm -hmm. And what's ASI stand for?
1: Advertising Specialty Industry.
0: Okay. So it's promotional products. Yes. Right. That your company creates. Um, Exactly. And how do you, how have you grown the business since you took it over in 2017? Have you, have you implemented, well, actually what yeah. i really want to know is when you were from 2009 to 17 when you were working there did you start to feel like gosh i have a bunch of ideas i kind of can't wait to take this over and implement them or what was your thought process like
1: yeah and you you know whenever the a, a younger generation comes in of course there might be things that are going to be done differently and you want to you want to grow and change with the time um, you, you don't want to stay stagnant. Um, that's why people want to keep working for us or with us, especially with us being in the industry that we're in, you know, we they want us to stay on top of the hottest trends. And if our business doesn't reflect that or emulate that, then yeah. they're not going to want to work with us. So we really, you know, did our best to make sure that we were following, um, the changes that are happening in the world. So absolutely. Like you know, being more green and trying to, you know, go paperless whenever we possibly could, Um, getting different types of machinery that was more eco-friendly was a big deal for us. And then also mostly having a larger online presence. Mm -hmm. So at the time, there was really no online presence. And that really wasn't popular or needed within our industry. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't common for distributors to have this robust, online um, you know website mm-hmm. so that was something that we really wanted to be able to do and something that we implemented along with being able to provide a solution to other corporations for online shopping for their their companies specifically so that's a huge portion of our business and that's something that's fairly new to us. And that's the portion of the business that that I handle, which is business development as far as our web stores go. Mm-hmm. So we do a lot of SEO and we do a lot of um, Google AdWords to get people to come to our website. They fill out a form that they're interested in, in looking at options for an online store for their company, and then that's whenever um, myself or a member of my team will reach out to them and we'll see, you know, what is it they're looking for, how we can how we can make that happen for them. So that's a, a large growing part of our company. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we noticed in 2000, we we noticed, um, you know, pretty quickly that there was a gap in our industry for people to be able to have an online store, not have to commit to upfront inventory to be able to purchase things on demand. It's real. It was really kind of unheard of. So in 2019, we purchased a supplier within our industry so that we could have all the decoration under in our facility and handled by us. That way we're able to implement that on-demand option that was mm-hmm. really lacking
0: within our industry. So you're the supplier for other on-demand companies, essentially. So we're
1: the, well, we're the supplier for our our distributorship where sure. we are able to supply items on demand. So we host company web stores and then we're able to produce those pieces on demand so that the client don't doesn't have to purchase um, a significant amount yes. of inventory upfront.
0: Okay. What are your most popular selling products?
1: Oh, as far as like categories go, Mm -hmm. tech is huge. Um, Bags are and always will be a large category, um, as well as drinkware. You know, Mm -hmm. we were just in a meeting yesterday with a vendor and we were laughing because we said, you know, it wasn't too long ago where people just wanted the cheapest $5 plastic travel tumbler that they could get. Now it's, you know, everyone wants a Stanley or a Yeti or a name brand that's a $30 tumbler. So, I mean, the tables have turned quite a bit in the course of the past, you know, 10 years or so.
0: Yeah. And what does that do for your side of the business as, as those types of products are becoming more and more high end and more expensive? Or does it I'm guessing it impacts your margins or or maybe not so much? It
1: does. Um, actually, I'm surprised that you would recognize that because I don't think a lot of people realize that a lot of those retail brands and those higher end items you can't sell them at the same margin that yeah. you would other, other items. Um, so it definitely does, it does, um, you know, touch our bottom line. And, um, we, we have ways that we can offset that, but, um, you know, in the end of the day, we're trying to get the client, what it is that they want in their hands yeah. and we have to sell them, you know, brands that, that are popular and are trending.
0: Right. Right. How is it working and having two business partners? How do you divide your roles in the company, especially when one's your, your sibling?
1: Yeah, you know what? I absolutely love having business partners. And there's five of us on the executive team. Um, my, there, there. It's actually, we're all siblings with our business partner and lifelong family friends. So there's five of us. Um, we all have our roles within the company and we stay within our lane. And I think that's why we've been able to grow as much as we've been able to. Um, you know, I think a challenge if someone is the sole owner of a company is, you know, trying to work, trying to work on your business, not in your business is a, is a big challenge. Um, so making sure that you have different areas of expertise so that mm-hmm. we all we are all working on our business as mm-hmm. well as taking on what our current roles are.
0: Mm-hmm. And in the early days, did the four of you siblings kind of sit around and talk through your strengths and your weaknesses and areas that you were passionate about? How, how did you figure that out? You sound you know, all our- very well organized
1: yeah, our personalities really shine through when it when it it came time to that and and we really just landed in the spot that that we all really shined in um for for my brother that was, you know on the accounting side and on the production side mm-hmm. of things. for my sister that was one of my sisters that was on the sales side of things. For me, it was business development and, you know, kind of a little bit of sales are, of course, in there as well. And then for my other sibling that was on that marketing side, um, you know, our person, like I said, our personalities really shine through. So uh, my brother, who's works a lot on the accounting side, certainly wouldn't have been a good sales rep, you know? <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, no, that, that's nice that it just kind of, fe- it sounds like it just easily evolved. It
1: really did. And then whenever, so our business partner, he started working for my father right out of college. So when he was 21 as well. So he's been along, he's been around just as, as long as the rest of us have. And um, same with him. Like we, you know, he fit within his role, which mm-hmm. is is um in sales as well. And we just we all, you know, took a liking to these parts of the business and make sure that we stay within that area and we mm-hmm. let the others focus on what they're good at.
0: Right. Yeah. How did, how did the um, the closures in 2020 impact you? Because I'm, there were obviously a lot less events um, and people working from home. So they probably weren't sending out, you know, corporate gifts and things like that as much. So how did yeah. that impact you and how did you guys get through it?
1: Yeah, you know, definitely a scary time as it was for everybody, hmm. um, you know, shutting everything down just like that, uh, you know, we like you said, we're an event-driven business. So people got scared. People were holding on to their cash, holding on to their funds and were canceling orders. So it was thankfully, um, my business partner, Angela had the foresight to say, Hey, things might shut down. Let's get everyone working remote. So we got everyone up and running remotely about a week before everything did shut down. So that was a big benefit to us. Um, But it was it was a really scary time. You know, we looked. We would log into our system, and it just was like canceled order, canceled order, canceled Mm. order, canceled order. Um, You know, there there was you know in months that we should be booking hundreds of thousands, we were booking you know four or five thousand dollars. So that was a really hard time. But we thought, okay, well, we have to think quickly, swiftly. What can we do? What do people need right now? And the answer to that is, of course, PPE. So we started selling PPE. Um, We just were learning as we went. We were. you know trying to get these things overseas until you know obviously some import issues started arising we were sourcing masks we were um sourcing sanitizer so we mm-hmm. were actually purchasing sanitizer in large totes having them brought into our facility and we're like okay well, we're going to figure out how to bottle this stuff so we got you know got something to try to figure out how to bottle it we were learning as we went just how can we yeah. keep working how can we keep our employees working um, there was a local brewery who they were, you know, wanted to keep their people busy. busy so we would drop off loads of sanitizer for them to label our, our bottles because we didn't have a labeler. Um, yeah, it was a very, a interesting. very interesting time. We, we learned a lot as, um, as business owners and as entrepreneurs during that time, just, um, you know, failure is not an option. Yeah. How do we move forward? How do we keep this going?
0: So were you were selling enough sanitizer or masks and other PPE to keep things afloat? Yeah, that oh, it, afloat. So,
1: you know, gowns, um, you know, the, the PPE gear, so like the, yeah. the, the masks. And then I don't know if you if you noticed shortly after, like a lot of the gators became popular, yeah. um, the, the phone sanitizing machines yeah. became popular, um, the sanitizer, you know, but everything you hit a roadblock because. The sanitizer, you know, ran out pretty quickly. And uh, that's why we had to start sourcing it ourselves because, you know, obviously there was a high demand for it. And yeah. and these vendors weren't prepared for this, this slam of, of the sanitizer need. Right. So they ran out so quickly. Uh, and that's when we got those big totes, had them brought into our facility and we're like, okay, we got to figure out how to bottle this stuff up and sell it. There was a plastic shortage. There was a plastic container uh-huh. shortage because there was that need for sanitizer. So we were putting we were putting liquid sanitizer in something that was not meant to be to hold liquid. Okay. Um, so it was very messy when it came, but people were also desperate to get anything. So they were purchasing them. Um, so yeah, it was, it was an interesting time. And, and that, that got us through until, um, you know, things kind of started to get a little bit back to normal, but then whenever people were starting to purchase items, there was the, um, inventory issue.
0: Oh, so everything that's right, stuck in the port, supply chain. Yep.
1: Yes. And so that was a really, really, and still is a lingering issue, Mm -hmm. not as much as it was before suppliers. They got really smart. And so what they did is let's say, for instance, if a a polo comes in 10 colors, they said, okay, we're going to bring in our core colors and our core sizes. So they reduced that, that, that skew, you know, down quite a bit so that they weren't running out of inventory and Mm -hmm. they were just sourcing, sourcing what those main, um, color options were. So, um, yeah, that that was another another side to it. Whenever we kind of thought we were we were getting out of the thick of it, um, and people were starting to buy again, then yeah. so we were running into the inventory issues, which was a big challenge.
0: Yeah, such a domino effect, right?
1: It is such a domino effect. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes me, obviously now we can sit back and kind of laugh, but like when I'm talking about the sanitizer, how there was a shortage of everything, right? Um, you know, and it happened so quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Where where do you see yourself? taking your business in the future. Yeah, so we
1: just got into our new facility. We have a 50,000 square foot facility in the Metro Detroit area and that's where we do all the in-house decorating. We have our office our offices there. Um, that's where our vendor meetings are. Our showroom. We do warehouse and fulfillment. Everything's there. Um, our hope is to start expanding, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's something that we've always talked about. We've obviously hit a couple hurdles with COVID, and then we also experienced a fire at our previous facility, which was a little bit of a setback. Um, but again, now that we're in this new facility, we'll be able to get back on track. And um, we we have you know looked into acquiring other companies within the industry. Mm-hmm. Are your clients nationwide currently? Yes, our clients. Yes, they are. And that's and that's many thanks to the um, Google AdWords and the SEO that we put in place um, with one of those changes that we, we implemented mm-hmm. back in 2017. Mm-hmm.
0: How do your clients make their buying decisions? Is it typically based on price or the type of products? Because I know when I've dealt with promotional companies, um, a lot of them seem to have the same products. So... What, yeah. what is your differentiator in this world?
1: Yeah. And you know, of course, price is always a factor. There are also some items that we can get that not every distributor mm-hmm. can get, which is, you know, which is a, a something that is, that helps us in that way. Um, but also our, our customer service. So a lot of times, whenever people think of a promotional company, they might think of like an online company where they can just pop in, grab their items and and, you know, have them delivered in a couple of weeks. But there's oftentimes there's a lot of issues that come that arise or come with working with those online companies, because this is such a hands-on business, you mm-hmm. know, um, your brand is so personal and you want to make sure yes. that you get it right. And there's, there's a lot of different details and, 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 and there's a lot of intricacies that go into decorating a product with your logo and you don't get that customer service level that you would get with an online store or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, an online uh, company. So that's why a lot of people will come to someone like us, where we have representatives that are there to help you and assist you in choosing the item, staying within budget, getting it delivered for your event on time, and also making sure that it looks good and it's on brand.
0: No, that's great. Speaking of brands, I'm glad you brought that topic up. What would you say are some attributes of your personal brand? Sure. So my brand myself, not lasting impressions as a whole. Yes, yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, I am a people person, so I do find it very easy to talk to people. I love networking. I just, I I love learning about other companies and not even just not how I could be a fit for them with, you know, what I do, but just in general, you know, always learning more about other people, other companies, um, cultures, everything. And I think that makes me better as a person in the long run. It'll make our company better in the long run as well.
0: Mm. Who on your team is responsible, or within your family, is responsible for the culture within the company and and grow, you know, growing the team and identifying core values and that type of thing?
1: Yeah, that's something that we all handle together. Okay. Um, that's something that's really important to us. Um, the culture within our company, especially because we we are a, a family business at yes. the end of the day, and we want that to to be a reflection. To our clients as well as to our employees so we want our clients to feel like their family we want them to know that we're going to do anything that we we have to do to make sure that we are you know pleasing them making sure that they're happy with the service the product everything that comes with working with us and then same internally as well um is obviously really important to us so we want to make sure that our staff knows mm-hmm. like hey Family comes first. It's not work, it's family. So if you, you know, have something that comes up or you need to take your 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 kid somewhere or if someone's fallen ill and you need to assist them, whatever it may be, you know, we try to be as flexible as we possibly can um, because we want them to know that just as important as family is to us, we understand that it would be for them as well.
0: Right, right. That's great. Do you all, was that something that was very um, challenging or easy to align around with your siblings, identifying the values? Very easy to
1: align for all five of us because we all grew up the same way and we all have those same
0: core values at heart. Yeah. Is your dad still involved in the business in any capacity or not so much?
1: Yeah. So he does some selling in the business. Um, He, you know, is enjoying retirement and he certainly has his his hobbies that he's picked up, which is so great to see him be able to do finally after all these years, you know, working so hard to to mm-hmm. get the business to where it was um, before selling it to us. And um, I'm so happy to see him be able to enjoy life in that way. Um, but I don't think he'll ever fully retire. I don't yeah. think that that, once it's in your blood, I don't think that that's something that you'd be able to step away from. So he does still sell occasionally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's probably like his sixth, uh, his fifth child, right? Right. Absolutely. Exactly. How was it that your dad took a photo fo- that photo of Farrah Fawcett? What like were they friends?
1: No, no, they weren't friends. But that's a great pick. That's a great question. I'd have to ask him. I think that he just saw this as a huge, you know, an iconic image, and thought, "How can I get this out to the masses?"
0: Yeah. So he just was out one day, saw her, snapped a photo, or some something to that effect, and then. Decided to put it on his shirt.
1: Well, it, it was the iconic photo that he saw and he thought, okay, I need oh, to. Oh,
0: I thought he took the photo. No, no, oh, no, no. Okay, no. okay, okay. I was like, oh, maybe your dad a- has a hobby yeah. as a photographer.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> well, interesting that he just, you know, just very entrepreneurial of him to see that opportunity though, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. That's great. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Where's the best place for people to learn more about you and learn about your company? And of course, if they need promotional products, where should they go to to connect with you all?
1: Yes, of course. So head to our website, www.liteam.com. They can also reach out to me directly via email, which is Carla, C-A-R-L-A, at liteam.com. Um, would be happy to assist you in any of your needs as far as websites go um you know spot buys anything in between whether it's myself or a member of my team we would love to work with you
0: and the websites that you all are building are the e-commerce sites with promotional products right so Absolutely. e-commerce stores say for high schools or different clubs that might want to is that the just to get some clarity around that yeah
1: absolutely it's more on that corporate side okay um, that we would be able that we'd be supplying those um, online stores for for people to be able to purchase merchandise
0: for the company that they work for okay awesome well thank you so much great to have you on
1: yes thank you i really appreciate it
0: i hope you enjoyed this episode of the business of you if you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new Please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.